0: And welcome back to another SAM.gov Bids Live episode number 57, where we walk through small business solicitations together on SAM.gov and answer your questions along the way so that you too can start bidding and winning contracts on SAM.gov for your small government contracting business. Today, we will be reviewing six small business solicitations that I've pulled up on SAM that we will be jumping into in just a second. But if you're new here and you don't want to miss future SAM Bids live episodes, make sure that you subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell so that you can ask your questions live on future streams. I've just recently launched our free federal contracts masterclass for the new year. The link is down below. In the masterclass, I answer the hot questions for free that others make you pay for. And I also teach you the new rules of government contracting that you need to start playing by to be successful in this space. So if you have not yet, you definitely want to check that out. And lastly, if you're just starting out and you want to middleman government contracts the legal way, our new book, The Legal Middleman Method is here and available. If you want to middleman government contracts legally, you can get the book at legalmiddleman.com book. So hello and welcome everybody. If you're on live with us, let me know what state you are representing in the chat. And if this is your first time catching us on a live, maybe you've been watching the replays and you're like, I caught one, this is my first live. Also, let me know that this is your first live down in the chat. And hello, hello, everybody. Good morning and good afternoon. So while you guys do that, I'm going to go ahead and just share a sneak peek of the bids that we're going to be diving into and looking at today. Bid number one is hotel services for Birmingham uh, VA Medical Center. Bid number two is for SFAC writers. Bid number three is ERDC Pest Control Services. Bid number four, Lake Red Rock Recreation Mowing Contract. Bid number five, sustainment support for Camp Atterbury, Indiana and the surrounding areas. And bid number six, over at Whiteman Air Force Base Firing Range Cleaning. And this one seems so familiar. I almost wonder if we already covered it because it looks like it got expanded. so we'll go ahead and see what's going on with that and all the other bids. Ms. D, hello from Huntsville, Alabama. What's going on? We've got June R out of Savannah, Georgia, Deshaun, New Jersey, Dee out of New York. Hello, everybody. Cashing out with Nisi, Tampa, Florida. Rob says got my book Saturday. It is awesome. And I'm a first timer. That's awesome, Rob. I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying the book and that this is the first time on live. We got a double win. We've got Ira O. Uh, out of Waldorf, Maryland. Hello, hello. Uh, Is it, is it mile Vanessa? The things are kind of a little blurry for me Uh, out of Canada. Hello, Vanessa out of Canada. Sean Costley out of Huntsville as well. Um, It's saying LinkedIn user first live. It's not showing me the name. Um, Welcome, welcome. We got Daniel. Let's get it. Indeed. Lloyd Massengill. Good to see you again. Good afternoon. My biz, just purchased your book. It's awesome information. Yes, guys, definitely. If you have not, gotten it you are missing out definitely check out the book um dale out of salt lake city utah first line love it cmb first time from columbus let's go Najee says hey derek i love the live on mondays got the book almost finished with it makes these live videos so much easier to understand i actually love that perspective waiting on the uh, ein number to get verified so you can get bidding sweet G from Texas, London Walder from Maryland, first live. What's up, everybody? Just su- subscribe. Your course is very helpful. That's awesome, G. I love to hear that you're in the course. I mean, there's a lot to dive into that, um, and it will take a little bit of time to implement, but uh, it will definitely help you quite a bit. Um, finance Functionality, T Merchant from Michigan, my old stomping grounds, and I also got Greg uh, Hurleyman from uh, Charleston, South Carolina as well. Welcome, everybody. I'm um, so glad to have you, and as you're joining, feel free to keep... Uh, let me know what you're representing it as well as any questions you have. Um, and for those of you who this is your first time, if you're not familiar with how these works, uh, we pull up, we do live bid reviews. I don't look at any of these bids ahead of time. We go through them for the first time for first time we've ever seen them. So that way it can be raw and real as we go through it together, which means things aren't always gonna make sense. That means we might run into like roadblocks I try to recreate in a safe environment, things that you will encounter when you go on to sandback.gov and you start trying to read and make sense of these government contracting solicitations, let alone build outlines or put together full blown proposal responses. But as I always say, you need to learn to walk before you can run. And that's really what we focus and dial down on. And I'm a big believer. If you can read these things, you can pretty much do everything else that you need to, to start bidding and winning. So let's go ahead and look at our first one. do dare say this hoptel services is meant to be hotel services out of Birmingham, VA Medical Center. This bid is due February fourteenth. This is SDVOSB set aside, consistent with Vets First with um, the uh, veteran set aside. In terms of attachments: we have one for the solicitation, and then we have uh, Angelica Miller in contracting. So we'll go ahead and. See what we have going on with this solicitation for hotel services, for the VA. So we come across a statement of work, contractor shall furnish standard double rooms. That's how we know this is for hotels, right? To the VA beneficiaries, for whom such rooms are specialized, uh, specifically authorized by the VA. Mm. rooms will be used on a short-term basis for the va patients needing overnight lodging so we're kind of putting our in our heads um, as this is the scope of work of kind of what's going on with this actual contract so these rooms must be available for up to six rooms total per day if additional nights are needed um those will be charged based on the same room rate as uh, based on what's available okay so some details on the room they're saying it is expected that the contract will be considered a base in four renewable option years that will go through March, 2029 because we are in 2024 folks. Incredible. <laughs> so base plus four for a total five-year contract. So you must choose, this is really important. I'm going to extra zoom in because this is probably one of the most important things in the entire statement of work for you, a bidder that's trying to make, you know, bid, no bid decisions. The establishment must be rated at least three-star rating to ensure quality standards within a seven-mile radius to the VAMC Birmingham. Provide round-trip shuttle transport to and from the VA or surrounding healthcare facilities beginning at 630 and ending by 8 p.m. at night at no additional cost to the government. The shuttle should pick up passengers within 30 minutes of call for transport. So we're looking at an establishment. And then we're also looking at transport. So, so kind of two different statements of work tied into one, although it appears. <laughs> Jude says hoptel equals hospital hotel. Oh, that actually makes sense. Thank you for that clarification. So we will go ahead and pick up the pace a little bit, see if we can find pricing cleanse. There's actually... Okay, that's for data breach. Okay, so we do run into some pricing cleanse. Lodging services for overnight hotel for guest lodging. What I'm... so, So I'm imagining it's including the transport, right? Because you're dealing with patients, possibly patients' families, and it's gotta be very close to, right? The VA medical center and this location within the seven mile radius, right? And those patients it's possible that they cannot transport themselves. And so they're building this kind of into just one, one bag, right? They're saying just for the base here, lodging services, right? Then we have our option years, two, three, and four, and and that's it, okay? So they're not breaking anything out separately. It's just part of I'm imagining what this, this hoptail service is going to look like, right? It's not just the lodging. It includes the transport. So they're wanting $12.35 per year. So we'll do a unit price of one of those, right? And that would probably require doing a little bit of math, right? Because if are you including one's transport? And one night for one room, like that's all counted as one. And then they want 1,235 of those, you know, it's kind of what it's sounding like POP is going to kick off uh, April 1st of this year for the base year. And it'll go through March of 2025. And as we said, it will continue to run through March of 2029. So gives us an idea furthermore of the scope of how we're going to be pricing this thing. Also reiteration of the period of performances knowing this contract is gonna kick off in a couple months, reasonable timeframe. So now I'm also interested in knowing, I'm interested in knowing what they want in our response. So we do have instruction to offers, which is where we, we look. However, this is the FAR instruction to offers. And typically, contracting will provide us even more specific instruction to offerers. And to be honest, I really don't know why that is. I don't know why there would be two instructions that could exist um, inside a solicitation. It's one of the things I don't know. But when we come to the evaluation factors here, we see very clearly how they want our proposal laid out. Based, of, this is based on how they're going to be i um, rating our responses and these factors also are a mirror match for, if we're going to build an outline, what our response should include. So it should read like this factor, a past performance, they're going to be looking for relevancy and quality. So how well the work was performed for factor B they want a technical acceptability. A technical response right and for that it's four questions they want to see the seven mile radius they want to see the amenities and services of the hotel they want to see the hotel's quality rating they want to see documentation of local restaurants for that hotel uh, they're saying hotel not me they're not they're not saying hotel this time they're saying they're saying hotel um, so in your technical response you would provide these four things because these are specifically what they're going to be rating no more no less factor C complete and sign. Um, the limitations of subcontracting, which I actually, to be fair, guys, I emailed contracting on this one because I don't know how this SDVOSB set aside is going to be met. They're using the Hotel Snakes code. It's very unlikely they're going to find a facility that's SDVOSB owned and registered to provide this within only a seven mile radius. Okay. This is more of something like you would be doing um, a legal middleman where a small business set aside and then you're finding a you know a hotel provider that's considered small business in accordance with the snakes code. And what's the size standard for the 721110 hotel snakes code? It's 40 million, right? So if we can find a hotel that's doing less than 40 million per year in sales, they're technically considered a small business for the snakes code and they would qualify. But that's not what they're asking for. They're asking for SDVOSB. And I don't know how they're doing that. And I don't know if either there's something that I'm missing. I don't think there is, um, or there's something that they're missing. And maybe the person in contracting just isn't aware or they're just being told to do something. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not trying to confuse you guys, but I'm letting you know that if I do get a response from contracting to this question, because they're including it also as a factor C saying, Hey, you have to do 50% of this work, right? How are you going to, are you going to meet that? Now, if you're providing the transport, maybe, but dollars spent, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just not, I'm just not hundred percent sure about that, but maybe if you do the transport and then you work with, you know, a ho- hotel, hop, to do the other 50%, maybe that's how, um, I, but the reason I'm saying this is to get your guys's wheel turning. Maybe there's something that you could think of. And at the very least, you can start thinking this way when it comes to your contracts, as you're navigating set asides and regulations like limitations on subcontracting. June says, Derek, uh, Derek's discussing the bid I'm working on. (laughs) Uh, So June, what is what is your understanding? I'm certainly not trying to uh, um, do anything negative. Of course, I only have... uh, I'm trying to help everybody with reviewing these bids. And yes, um, absolutely. Uh, there's going to be some that folks are working on. But I would be curious, June, uh, what, what were your thoughts on the limitation factor C part as a SDVOSB set aside for this contract on meeting, meeting this? Because they're the ones calling it out. Um, factor D, price. They're going to want fair and reasonable pricing. Price reasonableness. Okay, so for this, uh, and then we, we run into our our reps inserts. So what's really interesting to me, as, as I started saying, is when we go to the instruction to offer a section that they give us, which is supposed to be our instructions. Were the offers our instructions to provide a response? Is this going to match? Because this is a copy and pasted out of the far. Is this going to match those evaluation factor ratings? Uh, typically, typically it doesn't. It typically does not. And so that's the problem that I have with these boilerplate, uh, far copy and paste instruction that offers in here, because nowhere in here is it saying provide, you know, for example, those four questions that they gave us in the evaluation factors, you know, it's reference it does reference, uh, past performance generically past performance information is defined in far 52.12, uh, 212 two. Okay, cool. But if you were to only, here's my point. If you were to give them exactly what they're asking for the instruction offers, your bid would not be compliant and you would be thrown out. Because in the evaluation factor section, they tell you very different information, very much more detailed, very much more specific. And the instruction offers is supposed to match. Nowhere does the instruction offers even make mention of a factor breakdown, but when contracting is reading your proposal, okay, your sections should be broken down by factors. You should be starting with factor A, B, C, and D. So if you were to follow the instructions that they gave you, you would be thrown out. And I think that's a little bit unfair. And so these are the things that I like to call out on the show to point out to you, Hey, don't follow the generic vague thing that they didn't even read that they're putting in there because this is really what they're looking for. The problem is if you, if you followed the instructions, it would, it would make you non-compliant. So instead you've got to increase your skill level, learn to read these things like I said, you have to walk before you can run, but that means you need to walk. And if you, if you didn't get what I just pointed out and you just, you said, okay, instruction offers, I'm just going to take that hook, line, and sinker, put the blinders on, your bid would not, would not work. Okay. So then we have to rely on the evaluation factors where they give us factors A, B, C, and D to then build our proposal. It's just not the right way to go about it. And to be honest, I think contracting needs to just beef up their game all around. But I digress. Let's see, where did we leave off here? Katina says, thank you for this, it's so helpful. Good to see you again, Katina. You always hang out with us. Um, Lloyd says, in the event, we should get a capabilities briefing uh, can provide an opinion on what should be said in our conversation. So in capabilities briefing, the one thing that I'll say is your conversation should match whatever requirement or requirements you're interested in. Um, just like if you were to respond with a tailored capability statement, um, you don't just send a generic capability statement. For example, if you're responding to a source of sought, uh, you wouldn't just send off a generic case, you're going to match the NAICS codes. You're going to tailor your the services that you guys offer. Um, so you want to match the requirement, which is why I'm big on generating an umbrella approach, right? An umbrella of, of of services that your company offers so that it's within your capabilities. And then based on what you're looking at, or in this case, what conversation you're having, you're able to tailor and customize that to the conversation. So, for example, if you're having capability briefing, maybe pull off a couple of uh, solicitations that are out of that specific a specific agency, if not the specific contract office with, you know, the small business liaison or the contracting officer that you're meeting with, um, that way you're knowledgeable and prepared. And you'll be like, Hey, I got three on my desk that I'm interested in. That's out of your very office and we're capable of that very quickly changes the tone of the conversation and eliminates a lot of, um, potential red flags that contracting could have of you or small business liaison could have a view because they're, they, they see so many uninformed contractors They just give themselves away that they're super green, that they're a a newbie, that they don't know what they're doing. Really what they're saying is they can't be trusted yet. You know, they're not, they don't have enough experience in the space yet to be, to be trusted. And I I, I use that word loosely. Um, But if you're like to the point where it's like, okay, we, our next codes are in line. We know exactly what we're doing. We're going after work this is the umbrella of services that we go after. I don't recommend using the word umbrella to them. It's something that we use on the business development side of things to understand our offer. To them, it's your capabilities. This is your capabilities that you offer. This is what you're able to do. And it just so happens to be a match for a number of things that are coming out of their office. That makes for a much more meaningful, productive conversation because they're not just, you know, imagine them having a conversation with somebody that can't do anything for them. What a waste of time that would be. So we know what we don't want to do, so then we are allowed to bounce off of that and move closer to what we know we do want to do. And then secondly, I always say the purpose of any meeting is to get a second meeting. So if that doesn't lead to a second meeting, you can always ask a referral. You can ask if there's somebody else in the agency, whether it's, again, contracting or small business liaisons, um, that they would recommend that you speak to just to keep things going, just to keep the momentum going. Um, that way you don't just have all these one done conversations and kind of spin your wheels. You want to keep it going. So you're not going to have one capability briefing and a contract's going to co- come out of that. Of course not. But maybe you can have a meeting with another person, maybe the contracting chief, maybe a PM or an end user, maybe an engineer uh, has interested in the scope of services that you guys can provide. Maybe something that's coming out in the future, you know, you just never know. So um, and I'll tell you all tails back if that's the right term um to having a a customized approach to the customer or whoever you're meeting with manifest says yo i finally caught you live tuning in from arizona what's up arizona Lorraine Kennedy, hello all, good to see you. G says, I would suggest viewers who consider getting into the course, they should go through these past lives videos first and then get into the course. I promise you, you're gonna be more confident when going to the course. I think that's great feedback, um, G, and thank you for sharing that. Just wondering about one thing though. So in the course you say reach out, you say you should reach out to you. Could you please tell me how could I reach out if I have any questions? um that it's not something we have built into the course um i'm not sure if you're talking about the bonus material um but feel free to email us at support at if there is something but yeah our, our course guys our course is a course and our class is the class so if you're wanting something that has uh like that's instructor-led where you can ask questions where you have somebody going through it with you that is the class, the course, it's self-paced. You do it on your own because you're working. You got other things going on and you get to have the benefit of kind of, uh, meeting your, your schedule. Okay. That's why we have the course. And then we have the class for, for various, um, different reasons. D e says for hotels, they usually always read price can't exceed their, uh, the per rate. So if most hotel rates are the same as the per rate, how would we add our profit? Um. trying to understand the question your your profit is what it is so they they shouldn't be right so you can find you can find the website where there are the acceptable rates and you know i know a number of people who have won ho- uh, hotel <clears throat> contracts and what you're doing is you're adding your fair margin on top of that rate okay it's typically not, not the case as you're explaining it. So I can't really answer the question because that's not, that's not been my experience. I would recommend checking out the, the, the GSA rates per diem rates for those, and then make sure that you're including your markup. I know, it's not a great answer, but I, I just feel like there's something often in, in the question. And if, you're, and if you're finding that you're not getting anywhere with it, move something else. Again, it's why I say offer an umbrella because you don't know what your first contract or your second contract or your third contract win is going to be. So if you're finding that you're going after one particular service, umbrella is not made of one service. It's made of three, four, five services. So And, and those are services that you have verified a proof of concept that you know the government is buying and you're finding bids for. It. But then as you start going after them, if you're finding you're hitting roadblocks and you've invested what you think is the fair amount of time in those and it's still not working, then you swap it out with something else, right? That's why we need to have multiple pillars going on um, that way. Well, I should say, cause if you don't, you're just going to be stuck and then all that time gets lost. So even worst case scenario, this should not be a roadblock for you. You just move on, right? You don't get stuck on it for months and say, I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. Move on, move on to something that's non-hotel related if that's, you know what what the issue is um and i talk about that once again i'm in my uh in our master class for this new year i i added it i highly recommend it i'm going to post it down below in the link this is our free training i just upgraded it uh, a couple weeks ago only um if you're not playing by these these new rules you're going to quickly get stuck and you're going to get frustrated you're going to quit um and what the problem is is we we come from Many come from the commercial space and I don't want to say they're old rules because those rules are actually very much still in place in the commercial space where it's like, you need to niche down. You need to get, be really good. You got to differentiate, do one thing really, really well. Don't be a jack of all trades, master of none type of thing. Um, And that's how you win in the commercial space. But when you come to the government space and you just do one thing really well and you're super, you're super, you're specialized and you're super specific and you're really niche down. How many opportunities are you going to have to go after and do you see what happens if you continue to play that way? Because it worked in, in the commercial space and you just think it's the same rules because nobody told you the rules have changed. Um, yeah. So I go a lot more into that uh, in the masterclass. I highly recommend everybody check that out. The link is down below if you have not yet. Let's go ahead and look at our next bid for SFAC writers. This is for the army. This is due February thirteenth. Small business set aside five four one nine nine zero next code. It says this requirement is being resolicited. Previously, proposal uh, previously submitted proposals will not be evaluated. So if you bid on this before, you will need to submit a new proposal. So for some reason, it kind of got canceled. Okay, so for attachments, we have a looks like we have some amendments here. We have a DD 254 sample pricing sheet. We actually might not be able to look at this one because a lot of the documents are not accessible for some reason. Solicitation is grayed out, deleted. A lot of these documents are now gone. So I guess I can try to look at it. Okay. So perhaps we can, um, so writer support services. We don't really know what this is. We just know they want us to price out monthly and that's it. Like they're literally giving us just the one base pricing plan. I'm really quickly wanting to know like, what does that look like or how many? So I'm gonna go to this pricing worksheet that they gave us to hopefully answer that question. So all they're saying is the contractor shall provide all labor equipment materials to support the statement of work, the most useless statement ever. Thank you for that contracting. They're just saying one full-time Liberty. So this is one full-time position for 1880 hours. So it's one person. So this is a staffing contract. They want to know what the um, labor category is that you're choosing and the wage termination and what you're going to pay them a uh, salary for the year. It's actually like the most forward, straightforward staffing contract I've ever seen. So kind of, kind of interesting to be honest. It does say questions are due February 6th, which would be tomorrow. And yeah, so I guess coming back to the, Solicitation is all we have here. You can see all these highlights. This is after all the revisions. And like I said, this is also a repost. It looked like an amendment from the naming, but it's like the only from the new name, but it's the only solicitation doc available. So we have to take it as it is. So they do give us a delivery schedule where they're saying the work's going to kick off March 1st and go through the end of February next year, and that's it. This is uh, Fort Liberty, is apparently the city in North Carolina. But we would be, they're depending on us. Almost like an, not an IDIQ because they're telling us how many hours, but they're almost depending on us to identify, like I'm not seeing requirements that they need to see in a resume, work history. Here's our section L, let's see if they give us anything. So you can send your questions to John Machine by February 6th, proposals due a week later. Proposal format. Should not exceed 10 pages, 12-point font. They want tab A and tab B, technical and price. The technical, they say it must be clearly marked. This is what I was talking about in the last example. Okay, if you don't literally say tab A, technical capability, they can throw your offer out. Even if you have the best price and the best everything else. They can find you non-compliant. It's called the tripwire. They use it to not have to invest in, in reading any more bids than they need to. So the technical capability shall include number one, demonstrate conformance to the PWS, which is okay, they they always tell us that the number two, writer experience. The contractor shall provide documentation that indicates or demonstrates the required quals in the statement of work. So we would have to go back to that because I didn't see too many of those. The Government will evaluate quals and they're really highlighting they, they're wanting an SME, a subject matter expert, who is a lead writer with a highlight of combat arms experience, serving as a staff member or commander or battalion brigade. Uh, brigade. And then also saying has uh, secret clearance. So they're being very, very specific. And it's possible that they're playing games. It's quite possible they already know who they want this. And that there's only one person who's going to fit this bill, and if you contractors cannot provide it as they're making it written out. So specific for this requirement, then contracting will have no choice, but to give it to who they already know they want to give it to. Um, and then they're just kind of going through this as a exercise of paperwork to show that they, um, they maximize small business competition, uh, on this contract. To me, I'm not so convinced I've seen it many times. When they make requirements this specific, they already know who they want for the job. I would no bid this just just from seeing this. And then tab B price, fill out the pricing table SF fourteen forty nine form and any amendments. Let's see. Mona says, uh, I love your book. It's very helpful. But what I like the most in the end where you thank your family, wife, and God, it shows the type of person you are. Thank you so much, Mona. I really appreciate that. and I put that in there for those who are actually wanting to kind of like go deeper um, rather than just a surface level. And I appreciate that you have. Greg says, you just answered my question. And would you recommend signing documentation, including SF1449? And Black Ink? Um, No, I, I don't recommend uh, signing things in ink. Um, I recommend the software and I'm not... Uh, any affiliate of theirs but smallpdf.com they're an alternate to adobe they're cheaper and i think they're more user friendly smallpdf.com maybe one day i will uh, be a sponsor of theirs um, but i've turned a lot of people onto it and they seem to like it it's just so much easier especially if you have to like extract things from pages or extract pages and create new documents out of them um, very much a document management type tasks that we need to do in government contracting when we have Solicitations and all these other forms and stuff—we got to put it together to make our our quote either meet a you know meet a uh, a page limit or we need to conform to some sort of proposal structure to remain in compliance. Having a software that empowers you to do anything that you need to do is really um, that that's even more affordable is kind of a, a best friend once you reach a certain stage. I feel like I'm doing a commercial for small PDF, uh, maybe I am. Uh, Dwayne says, thanks, Derek. First time with you guys. Very helpful and needed. Guilty of being green. Hey, you know, many of us are guilty of being green. It's just the goal is to present ourselves in a way that's not green. And so that's, that's how we continue to um, not even continue, but that's how we quickly set ourselves up for success, um, a higher benchmark to build on instead of building on uh, where a lot of people build from ground zero who don't know anything and they have to you know, make all the mistakes and all those things and learn the hard way. Mona says, do you have a video on creating your umbrella? I do. Um, if you would just go to my YouTube channel and if you literally just search umbrella within my YouTube channel, um, I guarantee you the video will pull up. It's just a few minutes long, but it gives you a few sample umbrella examples. I might also talk about it a lot in the book. Um, if you're wanting to dive deeper into it, I highly recommend the book it's a lot about umbrellas and things like that. Uh, if that's something that, um, think you think is a good fit. June says, does the VAR apply to SVD VOS, uh, set asides, not solicited by the way it, you will have to read the, um, the solicitation. Uh, I, I absolutely see it in, for example, small business solicitation, uh, contracts as well, but it's just, it's a reinstatement of the limitations on some tr- subcontracting clause, which is not specific to the VA. It's specific, you know, it's, it's all agencies. Um, so uh, again, the point is become specific on limitations on subcontracting and what that means, uh, rather than just what it means to the VA, if I'm understanding properly. Peto the Great says, question, do you suggest submitting info to pre-sales? I don't. I don't at the particular stage that most who follow my channel are at, where as many points I've hit on today in every episode, you're learning how to read, you're learning to outline, you're submitting your first bids. At that stage, I don't recommend responding to pre-sales because it's it's just you, it's you and your partner, it's you and your spouse. Um, you have very limited time and focus, so you need to protect that at all costs. And at the beginning stages, what protecting that looks like for me is only focusing on the highest revenue generating activities, essentially focus on the lowest hanging fruit that you can, which are bids that are due right now or very soon so that you can get in the game, you can start learning to go after those and start doing badly on them so that you can start getting feedback to start doing better on them and you can improve with your responses and your strategy, you know, speaking to subs if you're going that route, right? So I want you to get in the game. Um, Responding to pre-solicitations are not something I recommend at this stage, just like responding to sources sought notices or, you know, collecting all the set-asides or chasing GSA schedules. Again, I don't say any of these things are inherently bad. They're not bad. But as somebody said a few episodes ago, if you can't secure a bid on your own, you have no business doing these other ancillary type things or for, I think it was mentioned, um, don't even bother trying to get on GSA schedules if you can't win contracts without the GSA schedule. Right. But most get it twisted. Most think, oh, I need to be on a GSA schedule to get on the contract. And it's not your fault. It's what happens when you get the phone call and GSA calls you or a GSA representative, which is just some company calls you and says, Hey, we need a few more people to get on this GSA schedule. How many of you have gotten that phone call where we're just, you know, we're giving away contracts, but you got to get on the GSA schedule first. And then you spend the year to get on the schedule and you spend tens of thousands of dollars. And then they're like, Oh, well, I, I don't actually have a contract for you. You have to go bid on it first and win. So it's like, wait, you're telling me this whole year I could have bid on Sam.gov for free. And I could have got much better at it and maybe have a few awards under my belt um, for free. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, instead of spending a year and being in the minus. So I digress. How to get commissions for concluding a contract with the government as a middleman. Master, sure I understand the question. Um, not familiar with what you mean by the term commissions. If you're wanting to be a GovCon consultant, I don't really talk about that on the channel. Um, or if you're just talking about an award, um, concluding a contract if you're just asking like, how do you get paid on a contract? If you're being a middleman, um, depends on the contract, you know, if it's, if it's services, it's going to be net 30, net 60 to get started. If it's construction, it's going to be more progress payments. Um, and if it's more project based, it's gonna, it's gonna be when the project is done, or, you know, if it's, you're doing supplies, it's going to be once it's delivered and inspected and approved, you'll get paid. So I'm not sure exactly, uh, what the question is, but maybe that helps. YouTube guys has just got your book, reading it now and catching all of your YouTube lives. Awesome, guys. Love that so many of you are getting the book. Um, to be honest, we've been pushing, uh, we've been we've been selling a lot of books, not pushing, but selling a lot of books. And I know it's to a lot of you guys on the channel. So um, love to hear that it's going well for you. Um, no, I don't I don't offer one-on-one coaching. Uh, I used to. I find that so many people want it. Like, guys, you wouldn't believe I get, I mean, you you could imagine, you know, we've been, I've been in the space for a little while. You could imagine that I get a good number of uh, DMs and things every day, and they're all for, hey, can you coach me? Can you mentor me? Can I work with you one-on-one? There's just no possible way that I can work with everybody. And, and so I try to pursue more scalable options where I can reach as many people as possible. Because again, if I'm only doing that, that's so so many more people that I'm that I'm not able to reach. And I'm, I'm blessed and grateful to be in that position because I used to, but I kind of outgrew being able to do that. Um, I, I wanna help as many people as I can. And for example, that's why we are on episode 57 of this show that's totally free, where many of you have told me, Derek, you give away things that other people put behind a paywall. And that's my goal. My goal is to get you in the game, to give you something that you can actually work with Um, Because I know many of you, like, you're doing this to to pull yourself out of a tight spot. Like, I use government contracting to pull myself out of a very very dark spot, the darkest part of my life. I was very depressed, right? For those of you who know my story, I mean, I just kept falling, 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 and falling. And the first week working for the small government contractor, my boss wanted me to fire fire me then. And I thought I was going to continue falling. But, you know, my mentor kind of swooped in and protected me. And, you know, uh, God bless him. Uh, he's not with us anymore, but, uh, my things turned around. And once I learned that this could just be used as a vehicle, there's many vehicles out there we can use. It's just, I didn't have anywhere else to go. And so I had to make this work. And so I had to go through many hard lessons. I didn't have anybody teaching me this stuff. I had to learn that, oh my God, this stuff is not as nearly as complicated as it seems, or as other people try to make it sound. And I had to go through that self teaching it myself. And then, you know, I went on to win 32 contracts with over $15 million for the small business that I worked with, made them a lot of money and, you know, and then things got really toxic there because we won a lot of contracts and my boss wanted to hire a lot of people. Right. And a lot of people were govern- go gunning for my job because I became my boss's right-hand man. I was the VP of sales. Um, but then, you know. We have people who are like retired colonel, lieutenant colonels and things like that. Who is this young kid? I mean, he's not even an engineer mindset. He's just some guy. Uh, Why should he, you know, so things happen, right? So then I have to sign an NDA. Okay, you can't do anything with with going after contracts for two years, not an NDA. I had to sign a non-compete. You can't do anything for two years. And by the way, this person's going after your job. So I had to leave. Okay, you guys totally got me soapboxing. I had to leave. I didn't have to, but like I was just so, so depressed and I wanted to put myself, I don't know. It was just a very dark time. Um, so, so I left without any game plan and the thing that I had learned so well, I couldn't even do it. So it was like, what could I do? Okay, so I'm just, I'm tying it back. All that hard stuff I had to go through to learn. It's like, okay, well, maybe I can start teaching this to, to other people then since I can't do it myself during those two year periods. Um, and then after two years, things had really taken off. We had impacted so many lives. I just didn't want to stop. I just, it was so much more rewarding. You know what I'm saying? At that point, um, we had start to develop some momentum that, uh, there was kind of like no turning back at that time. And, you know, here we are more than five years in. So again, that's why I'm so passionate about this. But again, I know this was relating to a question about one-on-one coaching. I'm trying to help as many people as I can with what I can. And I, I know that it may not be a perfect job that I do, but uh, it truly, I, I try to do the best I can and, and to make as many things available to all of you guys, including the book. That's 30 books, uh, 30 bucks, which is a pain in the ass to write, mind you. But um I'm so glad that we, we did it because it's helped so many. Go ahead and look at another bid. <laughs> uh, I think that's the perfect segue here. Okay, so this was the pest control services. Due March 1st, Small Business Set Aside, 56171, Exterminating and Pest Control Services, Vicksburg MS. Uh, mm, Missouri or Mississippi? You guys let me know in the chat. MS. Missouri or Mississippi? Oh, Missouri's MO. It's Mississippi. Got it. Yeah, MO is Missouri. I know that. Okay, so there's a requirement for pest control services. The contractor shall furnish duh, 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 for the ERDC facility located at 3909 Halls Ferry Road. Let's, we haven't looked at uh, Google all day. What does this look like? Hmm, where's my little guy? There he is. Oh, it's gotta be on a main road. This is okay, yeah. Here's the gates. So you say it's army corps, it's at the research and development center somewhere at the three three oh nine. So we would need to get this is why you need base access, as you as you can see. All right, so they want you to control the pests, the rodents, do an initial inspection and treatment. Household pets shall include uh, roaches, ants, silverfish, earwigs, crickets, grasshoppers, spiders, rats, and mice. Any active infestation of fire ants found within five feet will also be covered in this contract. So for documents, we've got site visit, form and solicitation doc. I'm afraid i'm afraid to check the the chat i know a soapbox in for a minute got pricing cleanse four quarters so it's a base year so okay so they have a quarterly service they want then they have a monthly service that they want for the base year both of those then they have eight uh eight months out of the year and then they also have what they're referring to as reimbursable services. And then that will repeat for options, option years one, two, three, and four. So this is a base plus four contract. And then they're also giving us some six month options to extend in here as well. So we have our statement of work, which we pretty much already have an idea. We heard about the silverfish and the fire ant mounts. What's most important is those you know, monthly, quarterly, eight months out of the year, those things. And this is the information if you're working with a subcontractor that you would want to share, because this is specifically the information um, that they would be pressing their estimate off of as well. And there's a site visit form, so there definitely should be a site visit so they can get a a good idea of the premises. Our delivery schedule is reflecting that this contract is going to kick off not until August 7th, so later on this year. And Scott Brown is probably going to be uh, who would be conducting the site visit. And would likely be who's going to be the core, the contracting officer's representative on the contract. Not the contracting officer. That would be somebody different. That would be this uh, Quamain Clark. Okay, so they're kind of working together on this. Contracting officer cannot make changes to the contract, or I'm sorry, <laughs> contracting officer uh, can. Contracting officer's representative cannot make changes to the contract. It's their job to enforce the contract. Their boots on ground, contracting usually sits in the contracting office. The representative provides a quality control, also provides feedback, um, will approve invoices, all those things, very important roles, but very different roles uh, between the officer and the officer's representative. So we have reps and certs. So now I'm looking for our section L as we just stumbled upon it, our instructions. And as you can tell, these do not look like the boilerplate instruction offers. These do not look like they were copy pasted out of the the FAR like we saw with our first example. This is specific stuff, kind of like what we saw in the first evaluation factors. Specifically, here's a tripwire. They're saying the subject line must read ERDC Pest Services RFP. Okay? If your email doesn't say that, they technically don't even have to open it. They have factors 1 2 and 3 and volumes 1 2 and 3. That's going to include technical past performance and then the standard form 1449 and the pricing schedule. So pretty straightforward. For the technical no more than 60 pages. Total, they're saying 20 pages for experience, a management plan, 20 pages for past performance. Note past performance questionnaires, PPQs do not count towards the page limit. And I don't think they've given us those. They also want you 12 point font times new Roman, In the volume two, they're asking for a certificate of insurance. Gonna be general liability insurance more than likely. Then they're breaking us down into subfactors that they mentioned. So the relevant experience. Okay. So this is a great example. If we're building an outline, right? Plug and chug, we're, we're providing this exact info. We would copy and paste this out, put it into our outline. And then we would respond to it and clean it up. Factor one, sub factor one. Factor one, sub factor two. Management plan. Factor two, past performance. This is exactly how our response should read. They are uh, referencing PPQs once again, so perhaps, yeah, they're saying it's including the solicitation, so it's, it's possible that we just kind of zoom past it, but that's gonna reflect the subfactor three for experience. For volume two now, tab A, this is where they're gonna ask for the signed SF 1449 form and to complete the uh, pricing that they have right here, right below. So a pretty straightforward response and a good example of a more comprehensive response not something that's just price only or price and say some past performance examples. They're actually giving us some volumes, some factors, some sub factors to fill out. They're also letting us know how those factors will be evaluated and rated as well. And it looks like they're gonna be rated as pass fail, meaning acceptable or unacceptable or relevant or not relevant. They're not gonna break it down by the colors of the rainbow, like good, better, best, excellent, You know neutral confidence, a little bit of confidence, substantial confidence, things like that. Shelly said on on FPDS, Federal Procurement Data uh, System, when you see negative action amount, what does that mean? So it could mean that um, contracting is de-obligating money. They're kind of moving money around. Um, it could mean nothing at all for the prime contractor. It could just be more of an administrative thing, where maybe, maybe they are updating and charging on the back end in a way that's not exactly a mirror match to how invoices is going. So it's not usually something to like be too concerned about because we don't know exactly what it means. Um, it's it's something that. I guess in short, you would have to know exactly what it means. And because it can mean several different things, there's really no way for you to know, unless it's your contract, um, what they're kind of doing you know, behind the scenes. FPDS is a great resource, but it's not something that we are going to 100% understand what's going on at all times with it, unless we have privy information to all contracts, which we don't. How do I go about asking for the social security number from the sub for access to the base? Um, if SSN is required for base access, you create a form that is something that you request from the subs, and you can, you know, you can secure that email, um, and then you provide it to contracting. You just tell them it's a requirement. Tell them it's, you know, it's something that's standard with government work. If they're not comfortable doing that sort of thing, then they're not going to be comfortable working on government contracts, and then you just move on. When you're looking for quotes, should you submit the PWS at the same time? So Grace, it's, if you're looking for quotes from subs, it's, there's a couple of different steps, one step at a time. So step number one is like a discovery call, uh, where we are finding out if it's even going to be a fit and if it's even something we want them to work on. It's something they're interested in working on. If, if they pass that test and you want to, collect information, you can send your own request for proposal to the sub where you would include more information like the statement of work, as well as any information you would need from the sub to include in the prime proposal. For example, their past performance or their responses to how they're gonna you know, perform the work, things like that. So I don't think, um, if I understand your question properly, I'm not recommending you do it at the same time. I recommend you do it in steps to pre-qualify them before giving all of the info. Otherwise, you're kind of just spamming it out there, taking a shotgun approach, um, and that's more of like an email thing. Like, hey, want to know if you're interested in quoting this? If you are, please see the attachment, you know, attached. Um, don't don't do that. It needs. You're going to waste your time. You need to get on the phone. You need to talk to people, and then only then after there's a potential teaming partnership based on that conversation, then you take the next step and provide it. Don't do the shotgun approach. Don't do email only approach. Shannon says, thank you for all your knowledge and technical experience. Uh, I, I'm glad that is helpful, Shannon. Thank you for saying that. Um, how to consult a contract to a business. I'm not under, understanding that question. Um, feel free to reiterate. Mona says, thank you. I have, oh, you did get the book. Um, we'll go over those sections again. We do have the course as well. I know the course is an investment, so it may or may not be the right time for that. But we go to even more depth into that. But yes, i um, so, in the book, Mona, if you check it out, uh, the, I think you were asking the question about the umbrella strategy earlier. I have a number of um, free, kind of free bonuses for the book, book bonuses. When you get the book, uh, one of those videos is a link that one of those links is a video rather that takes you to the umbrella. So, that's actually in the book. So, just look in the book for the book bonuses. Um, and that can take you straight there also to a lot of other bonuses as well. Cause I think I have like eight or something between six and eight bonuses in there for anybody who gets the book. How long before we should reach out to the contracting officer for a debrief, do you suggest? Um, so it's gotta be technically within 72 hours of the award being made. Um, that's the window where they're supposed to honor that. After that, they don't technically have to. Um, so as soon as the award is made, as soon as you find out you won or you didn't win, even if you win, you can ask for a debrief, um, but especially if you didn't win, you wanna do it immediately. And if you don't know if the word's been made yet, then that becomes the question and you can follow up depending on the urgency of what the scope of the work was, depending on when the work is supposed to start, depending on how large the contract is, and also how large the response is that, you know, would take more time for them to evaluate proposals, right? Those are all factors to determine like, okay, how long after I submit my proposal should I wait, which is kind of a pre-question to the debrief question. Generally, the rule for it, like I would say for the contracts that we go after and that we showcase primarily on the show, um after a couple weeks, doesn't hurt to send a follow-up on on requesting if there's an anticipated award date. Um and you know, is the start of work going to be pushed back if they seem to be going past what those dates were in the solicitation. A rainy city resident, hey, hey, does that mean you are out of Seattle? <laughs> Greg says, buy the book. Okay, Greg, if you insist, get the book. Um, shameless plug. Tina, wow, crazy testimonial. That's the reason you're successful now. Thanks, thanks, Katina. Um, it's what keeps me going. Absolutely. It, it, it's what makes it all worthwhile. CMB, I understand. I appreciate your answer. I'm thankful for what you're doing. I will buy the book. Definitely check it out. Um, where do you get the book? Uh, just go to legal or if you're savvy, you can go to legal slash book. Do you need a social security number for the sub on that contract? Uh, I'm not sure why you would need it. The um, thing is what they could be requesting for in different contracts will be different as well. So, um, that's a bid specific thing. You know, then that's going to be for requesting base access. That's going to be for requesting, um to know who's going to be on the site, they'll have to run those background checks. So, all right, guys. You guys have a lot of questions. So honestly, I think I might just spend the time um, finishing up our questions here. And if you guys are enjoying the video today, definitely um, smash the like button. And if you're not subscribed, consider subscribing if you like this sort of thing. And if you're new here, um, we love to continue growing our community. Can the contract last longer than what you signed up for? Uh, It could, it could get, uh, it could be extended, extended or amended, but typically we don't see that happening. So instead, like in the one example we looked at, we saw, we saw a POP kind of like six month extension at the end. That was an option that contracting could execute um, because we don't actually see them just tacking time on at the end. It'll go to recompete typically if that wasn't built in to begin with. Now she says amazing story and definite inspiration. Thank you so much. Um, Jake partnered with incumbent Orkin on pest control services for the VA clinic last year, thought it was a win. Then some out of state one came in under baby by 30% and one that's crazy. It's actually potentially crazy. Here's the thing, guys. We don't want to feel bad about somebody else getting bad business. You wouldn't believe how many how many contracts are won that the company is in a loss. So don't be jealous of folks. If you really believe they underbid the contract, meaning when I say underbid, meaning the true cost is going to be more than what they even put their whole total for. Don't be jealous of that because they're going to lose money on the contract. They might go out of business. We don't want to be jealous of that. And I'm not saying that you're jealous, but I'm just keeping things in perspective. Don't, um, if it's bad business, we don't want it. If you're using a sub for general liability, I recommend you guys, if you win a contract as a prime, you get your own general liability insurance and then only work with subs that are also licensed, insured, and bonded. Okay. Don't just rely on the subs, it's not that expensive. Yeah, they probably weren't making any money on it. How do you position the teaming partnership, the proposal and the bid submission? Uh, yeah, you can just let the, if contracting is asking for it because they don't even always ask for it. For example, if they're asking for past performance, you let them know that you're teaming with this company. This company has been, you know, and providing this scope of work for the last five, 10 years and they have amazing uh, experienced projects. Here's a few, you know, you kind of tee t- it up that way. Keep in mind, um, also buy the book. Hey guys, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be, um, anybody who's buying the book uh, and who like bought the book over the weekend and Friday, we, we make two runs. I do them myself, so these are not drop shipping. I've got boxes here of, of many books. Um, actually, that's a lie, I'm all out of books, but the new order is gonna be here soon, but I've got enough to hold me. Um, then there'll be a lot more boxes because we sold out this in the first month of January, which is incredible. Um, but I pack them all myself, and um, we uh, we're making our next run tomorrow. So if you order a book today, it will be shipped tomorrow, <laughs> which is hilarious. Shelly says both the packaging and the content is there tight? I know, right? Like some of those envelopes, they're just a little bit, uh, they're just because it's a perf. The envelope is a perfect fit for the book, but it's almost a little bit too perfect fit. So getting it in there can be, you know. Getting in there carefully can be a little bit a uh, little bit of a struggle. So I imagine taking it out, it's like airtight. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, we do have the masterclass. Totally free, updated uh, a couple weeks ago. Definitely check out the masterclass. You can just go to govcomermethod.com if you don't have a link for that as well. Um, what is a good benchmark of contracts to bid on weekly? So for the, when you guys are up and running, I recommend submitting two solid bids per month. And I'm talking about service contracts. I'm not talking about trying to do 20 supplies contracts a month because um, you do have to put the numbers game, the volume game for supplies is it's ramped up way higher than for services. So if you're focusing on services, especially if you're legal middle i like you to do two solid bids per month in the busy time. Maybe we can ramp that up to three. Four is probably pushing it if you're doing a good job, but um am ramping up, up to three because it's like. Here's a here's I say I try to say this as often as I can, but I always tend to forget to say it for the numbers. Since you're asking about the numbers, benchmarks one to five, you're gonna just do it wrong and badly. Okay, so bid submission one, two, three, four, five, you're gonna do it badly. Five to ten, you're gonna learn from your experience. So bid number six, these are you know generalities, of course but it sets the right expectation the right tone for your year and what to work towards. So bid, uh, bids five through 10 or I should say six through 10. Um, you're going to start improving your pricing is going to get more competitive, more dialed in your proposals are going to be stronger. They're going to start being compliant if they weren't compliant or they're going to start being more competitive. If they were less competitive, six through 10 and then 10 through 20, you're in the money. Okay. That's, just the sheer numbers, if you're doing it, bids 10 through 20 seems to be, when you look at a sampling of when first, second, and third contracts are won, for a new government contractor's first year in business. So if you know that, okay, your goal is to get to 10, like make make it there, because most quit at, at four, five, six, and seven, and they come up with some disempowering belief or excuse, as to the game is rigged or I'm never going to make money on these contracts, blah, 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 blah. But you know that's not true because that's what brought you to the space in the first place. There are lots of small businesses out there that are winning contracts that are profitable on the contracts and they're building their book of businesses. There's no no reason why you should be special or any different. You can do it too. But that means you got to get out there. You got to do it. You got to be willing to go through these growing pains. I can tell you this is what it looks like. You're gonna feel pains around four, five, six, seven, maybe even up to ten. Around ten to twenty, you've been a little bit more hardened. Okay, you've gone through the fire, if you will, and it's kind of your first time doing it. Um, and then typically ten to twenty, um, you should absolutely be able to win multiple contracts. And many of you win before ten. You know that's that's the great part. You can win before ten. But if you have this expectation it's a much more reasonable and manageable expectation so that your head doesn't mess with you and so that you don't give up before you know you give up you know a couple feet before you you hit gold you know we've all seen that image giving up a couple feet too short we don't want to do that cmb says i will buy the book I, i i think I think it's. It, I think you will love it. Honestly, Katina says I just ordered. Awesome guys! I swear this is not a, a thing to like push the book. It's just I'm, I'm really just trying to let you know it's there. If you think it's a fit, but uh, I know you'll love it if you get it. Just got to the chapter on subcontractors. Yeah, you're gonna like that. You're definitely gonna like that. Um, that chapter. It's a good one. I'm doing a BPA for boating motor maintenances. I got quotes, but don't know how. So BPAs they are just a vehicle. So if you win, I don't know if it's a single award or a multiple award, but you're not going to win anything when you win. Instead, you're going to be able to bid on con- uh, contract task orders as the person who won. So if it's a single award BPA, it'll just be you responding, you know, providing pricing for the subsequent task orders for whatever those periods are. What contracting is saying is, hey, we've got a lot of requirements or we've got some requirements for this Boating motor maintenance, right? We have a number of maintenances. We don't want to keep doing and resoliciting and, re- and you know recompeting every single one of those. So instead, let's just get it out of, all the way once and have this vetting, you know, process for this BPA vehicle. And then for those, you know, whether it's one or multiple awards that are made, these people get the ticket to play the show. And then these ones are the only only companies or company that are then gonna be able to go after all this work. So that's kind of the conceptual understanding for what it means to you, layman's term for a BPA. And they'll be emailing you typically task orders and then you'll respond that way if you are the winner. Um, But first you gotta get the ticket to play the game for the BPA first to even get into the vehicle. So best of luck on that. YouTube guys, the course is still available. Absolutely. Yeah. Just go to legal middleman.com. Um, we have the book, the course and information on the class. The class is ongoing right now. We're halfway into the class. So the class isn't available, but the course is um, absolutely available. How do you handle site visits for multiple subs for one contract like roofing? Um, yeah, you, you just, you have them go and you have them go to the site visit. You have them represent your company. Um, For example, if the site business is mandatory and your company name isn't on the list, then you can't bid on the contract, right? So whoever's going, they're representing your company. Um, They don't know about each other typically. But at the same time, did you tell me? Yeah, roofing. uh, It's normal. Like it's normal to get multiple quotes. Just like if you were in the residential space doing something on your house, of course you'd get multiple quotes. So. Subs don't feel like you're cheating on them because you're getting multiple quotes or anything like that. But yeah, the way you handle it is you have them represent your company at the site visit. Yeah, if you can win before 10, that is absolutely, absolutely the goal. So can I submit the RFQ without a price? Um, n- you need to submit based on what they're asking for. If they're not asking for a price, then they might be just be looking to evaluate your company. And then that will come down the road, but most BPAs, they will ask for a price based on a sample project. So I would double check for that. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, cool guys. Um, We're going to do one more really quick. And then, um, then I have to run, uh, so we'll do one more Lake red rock recreation and mowing. This is due February 14th. Small business set aside five, six, one, seven, three, zero landscape services out of Knoxville, Iowa. We just have one attachment for the solicitation docs, amazing questions today, guys. And for the, all of you who've who've gotten the book or got the book today, um, I I know that you're going to love it. That's all I can say. And it like, it excites me like a $30 book order, like excites me more than like a lot of other things because there's just, there's just so much good stuff in it. And in a lot of ways, like just getting started, like the book could be all that you need, you know? And so I try to make it affordable for literally everybody. So we have one job base uh, for the mowing and trimming services. They're just calling it one job. Then we have an option period. Hmm. They're calling an option period, but they didn't update the CLIN. So this should be, right, this should be uh, 1,001, not 0,002. Then they're saying option two here. So they just kind of mess up the pricing cleanse. But at least they're correcting it here. So that's fine. So base plus four, work's going to kick off. A lot of work kicking off uh, April 1st. So that's cool. And this one too will go through March, 2029. And for those, uh, after, you know, after the show today, or if you're watching on replay, as you have questions, feel free to just drop those on the comments on the video, um, afterwards, because I can still, uh, respond to those, especially if the video is recently posted, I try to kind of stay on top of the new videos. So you can still ask questions even after the live ends. So it's referencing the bid schedule. It's not a separate attachment, um, complete the first page of the solicitation, complete the bid schedule, submit information requested in this clause, 52.2.12, which is going to be that pesky copy and paste thing that I keep referring to. Technical CAPE statement and the PPQ is really what's going to be important here. But all these boxes, you want to make sure you check it appears in your response. They want prevailing wage. So this is Service Contract Act, okay? SCA wage, so wage termination. So if you wish to have a site visit, a site visit is not mandatory based on that wording. You can set that up for whoever had the uh, site visit question earlier. Basis for award this is going to be LPTA, lowest price. And then the evaluated factors will be price, experience, and past performance. And again, they're going to tell us more about what that means price, experience, and then past, uh, well, they're calling it experience here, but then past performance. So, pretty straightforward. They give us a breakdown of the acreage maps. And here's our wage determination. So, they did incorporate that as well so we don't have any other attachments so guys i really do have to run i do have another meeting um so i hope that you enjoyed today's video definitely check out the free master class um if you have not yet i'll put the link for that or you just go to govkinmethod.com and also for those of you uh want to check out the book legalmiddleman.com um smash the like button and as you have more questions i know i couldn't get to everybody if i didn't get to answer your question feel free to post it um after the video ends in, in the comments of the video. And I will get to those there as well. So amazing questions, guys, today. And so much going on in our community. And I'm just so... it just It's what keeps me going with this. It's really what excites me is is these shows and seeing all of your guys' progress. I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. And hopefully this show caters to you in a way that meets you where you're at and helps you to continue make progress in your new government contracting business. So we'll see you next week with the next episode. Take care, guys. And we'll see you all very soon. Bye.